right. Hey, Robert Fitzpatrick, how are you? I'm very good. Thank Thanks. you. Very nice to be on your show and yeah. to talk about something that of uh, I think quite important, a great importance that has been largely neglected. Yeah, it's great to have you back again. And I love I love having you back because I mean, you wrote the book on MLMs. You wrote the book. I mean, you see YouTubers everywhere. You see, you know, all kinds of thing on the on the internet. You see Reddit pages, but Robert Fitzpatrick wrote the book. You wrote the definitive book on MLMs, their origins, how they hold power over people, why they continue to move forward. Um, that's Ponzinomics. It's out in paperback now, right? And Kindle. It's in paperback and Kindle, and it'll be an audio book for, uh, form, audio version, uh, in about a week. So okay. you know, before before the end of November. Okay. I am uh, I'm fascinated by this, and, and I think the reason I'm fascinated Robert, is because I find myself a student of human behavior. And I think much of the magic behind MLMs is rooted in human behavior. And the people that head them know how to hook into human behavior, much like some religiously, for the record, I think we had to do this last time, I'm Catholic. Um, this is not an anti-religious thing. Um, but some church leaders um, also find that human behavior hook. And I think that the line between some of these religious leaders and some of these MLM leaders is very, very, it's a very thin line. Um, what do you think? That's, that's uh, spot on, uh, actually. Um, and, and that is traceable to how MLM was created, and who the people were that really uh, drove it in the United States. And uh, they were deeply religious uh, extremists, I would call them, religious extremists, and they overlaid onto a basically a sales scheme because uh, the, the, the inventors of multi-level marketing, one was a pop psychologist. Uh, actually, he, was, he had a PhD in psychology, but he had a radio show uh, kind of, uh, you know, on the uh, uh, call-in radio show. In Los Who Angeles, this? who is this? Uh, this was um, his name was uh, Castleberry. There okay. are two people uh, that really created MLM. One was named Mittenger, and the other is uh, William Castleberry. So Lee Mittenger. Now Lee Mittenger was a veteran door-to-door -door sales guy whose main sales experience was in the selling of mortuary services funeral uh, uh, services and cemetery plots. And again, this is rooted in the Forest Lawn Cemetery, the famous Forest Lawn Cemetery in uh, Hollywood area in Los Angeles. This was the first really commercial, large scale commercial cemetery. And um, it had a very powerful sales pitch and that was brought into MLM. Hold it. So. So the revered forest lawn that you hear so much about, right? That was an MLM or it had no. its roots, it, its sales pitch moved over into the MLM. That's right. That's right. They, okay. uh, that's right. And, All right. And, and, uh, and it was a very powerful emotional sales pitch that, that actually is, is referred to not just by me, but many other people as a, a program that shifted the literally in America, the view of death. And the founder of that cemetery said, I want to take the sting out of death and turn it into a happy event. And so it became this beautiful, lush garden, you know, with music and statuary and fountains. And uh, you had a view. And of course, they were very expensive, too. And it became the cemetery of the stars, as you know, and mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan was married there. People actually had marriages there. But that emotional pitch, taking something so fundamental in life, death, and making it into a commercial proposition that appears to be almost a happy, positive thing. Um, that is what got carried over into MLM, in which the MLM are founders transformed the concept of work and success into a 
painless utopian thing, income for the rest of your life, unlimited income, you don't really work, the system works for you, and so on. So that's what I'm referring to there. Okay. And that's why I think what you're saying is so valid, yeah. because these are metaphysical ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not commercial. You know, work is mundane. <laughs> work is measurable and it's hard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, MLM is presented as, you know, you don't have to really do anything. The system is this magical thing that will make you wealthy. Right. And even if you fail, um, you just have to try harder. You're not trying hard enough. Um, yeah. Right. It's, 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 am I looking for that Protestant work ethic? What am I, maybe I'm off on that, but it's, I like how the MLM has created. So, and that's actually one of the, I saw some, some documents that Amway gives out to their new recruits. And on one of them, it says overcoming challenges are sticking through hard times. And what they're doing is I think they're setting you up for all those failures. So they'll say, Hey, we told you, you just got to stick through these hard times, uh, turn your test into a testimony. Um, you know, iron sharpens iron, but sparks will fly. I mean, you know, they got a million of them, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you and you were right uh, about the, the Protestant work ethic, work ethic, which is a Calvinist concept, not so much a Catholic concept. <laughs> I don't <laughs> right. think we were ever taught this much in the Catholic schools. But the Calvinist concept was about work and work that leads to wealth. And that is a form of virtue. And if you are poor, it is a form of sin. So that if you don't succeed in Amway, you are called a failure and a loser. And it's always your fault. Right. And Painful. the system itself, uh, which I called Ponzi-nomics, has sort of two core concepts to it. One is that the pyramid scheme, the endless chain, you recruit five, they recruit 25. That system is actually workable when, of course, it is unsustainable and unworkable. It only feeds the person at the top. It always dooms the great majority at the bottom. But that's the core concept, that it is workable. And second, that it works only if you believe in it. So if you fail, you didn't believe enough. You didn't believe hard enough. That's right. You didn't believe enough. You didn't believe hard enough. And you didn't, you didn't have enough, uh, you know, a commitment to it because your doubt got in the way and that's why you lost and we'll get into this a little later and i think now it's also morphed into and you didn't buy enough of our ancillary material um you didn't download all of our apps you there's evidence that you weren't committed enough because right. you didn't buy the, the the tools offered to you by the masters who are right. presented as gurus and prophets almost like the saints and you know you you follow them explicitly and you you obey them too and you exalt them so so i was looking you, this might be getting a little off here but i was watching a video and by the way we're going to be talking more uh, we're going to be talking primarily about amway here but it's good to set this up um i was watching a video about an amway salesman in poland you might be familiar with this where he was talking to an audience of polish Amway folks, whatever you call that, Amwayans, Am Amwanites, I don't know. Um, but they were, you know, prospects. And he was trying, victims. he yeah, victims. He was trying to, you know, pump them up. And he used the uh Jim Jones Kool-Aid uh mass suicide as a prop. And what he did, and actually I think uh Amway tried to have the video banned, but essentially his message was look. Jim Jones got 950 people to drink his Kool-Aid and commit suicide. How can you not find three to better their lives? I was like, holy shit. It's kind of, you know. Yeah, he was revealing more than he understood. He's, he's revealing that Amway, and, and this has, from the beginning, Amway was referred to as a cult. A, a, an economic cult, a semi-religious, but it's really essentially an economic cult. It can be an economic cult because they have made economics into a religion. And so it has the same force as a religious cult might over people, which Jim Jones was a re religious religious cult. 
yeah. nevertheless, it has this power, persuasion power of a cult and methods of a cult. Yeah, a cult isn't just a belief. A, a cult is something that it uses very powerful and well-known mm -hmm. techniques for persuading and controlling people. And Amway has been recognized for using this for decades. Yeah, so he was pretty apt with that parallel, um, more more so than I think his his prospects might wanted to have known. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he, he himself probably didn't even grasp that. Some people do think of cults as just powerful marketing programs <laughs> rather than destructive and dehumanizing. Yeah. Uh, but that's probably how he saw it. So Amway in 2019, they reported revenue of $8.4 billion, $8.4 billion. An NBA team, the Orlando Magic, plays in the Amway Center in Orlando. Um, an NHL team, the Orlando Predators, play in the, or in the Amway Center. Um, so does Billy Joel. So does Elton John. They have Amway Hotels. So they actually, the biggest hotel in Grand Rapids is the, I forget the name, but it's the Amway and it's this old hotel with all these, you know, rooms and it's, it's a beautiful place. Amway has kind of, one of the scions of Amway, Betsy DeVos, uh, was the United States Secretary of Education under our last president. Amway has kind of you know, kind of bugged its way into our life, you know, when we weren't paying attention, you know, while we were sleeping, they're the bed bug that, you know, got into our sock and then worked its way into our calf and it's yeah. sucking our blood now. Um, I think that that journey, because honestly, Amway is no better than LuLaRoe and Amway is no better than any of these others, but Amway presents itself in a way that has allowed itself to elevate where people see it kind of as a normal company. I mean, geez, no one, no one's, no one's protesting the Amway Center, right? It's just the Amway Center. And I think, uh, yes, what we're talking about here, though, is simply another example of the enormous power of propaganda. A Amway has been engaged in a propaganda campaign for 40 years. This isn't just by accident. It didn't slither its way in. I mean, it died uh, very uh, carefully in a calculated manner, cultivated an image of, of legitimacy and, and propriety and an, an image of, of a positive image. It worked very hard at doing this and it did it by leveraging politics and PR. Who was the first PR spokesman, the paid spokesman for Amway in the early, late 70s, early 80s? That's when Amway was just really beginning to explode. It was Bob Hope. Bob Hope. America's comedian out there That's with right. the troops in Vietnam and World there War II go. and Korea. Yeah. Now Mr. they pick, they hire Bob Hope to promote their and why did they need such you know uh, methods and and go to such cost because they were covering up something they had to escape something and if you just go back a few more years to 1979 right in 19 as late as 79 they were being prosecuted for pyramid fraud by the federal government and then Two years after that, they were convicted. They were, they didn't convict, they pleaded guilty to the largest tax fraud case in Canada's history at that time. A border, you know, tax uh, dispute where they were shipping stuff over the border, not paying tax on it. And they settled that with the 20 million back then, huge, the largest fine Canada had ever, and it was a criminal charge. There were indictments against the two founders. If they had crossed into Canada, they could have been arrested. And this, a few years later, just a few years later, Ronald Reagan is speaking at an Amway conference, an Amway event. How could that be that the government in Canada and the United States were one prosecuting it for, for pyramid fraud, the other for tax evasion on a large scale. And the next thing we know, 
it's practically this household name of of uh, you know Betty Crocker and uh, good housekeeping. You know. Well, I'll tell you how Robert, because you know I am a lobbyist, and so this is how I make my living. And I can tell you that there's no greater return for your money than in political lobbying. There just isn't. Um, I do this every day. I'm also involved in the world of business, and I see the return on investment for very small for very small capital outlays in lobbying and government affairs, you can get such an amazing return. I'm not saying it's illegal either. I'm saying it's all above board, right? But the access you get to influence people to make decisions all legal, all above board. But again, back to the human, back to human behavior, um, it's all about relationships. And it's much easier to do something for someone who's been at your dinner and that you've hung out with golfing than it is for someone that, that is nothing more than a name on a page, right? And I think Amway understood that. And the founders, DeVos and, and um, Van Andel, I, I believe they understood that from the beginning. Do you think they did? Well, um, again, going back to Van Andel and DeVos, these two uh, mythic characters who were the founders of Amway, uh, again, part of the propaganda is to present these two people as having built a business from nothing, a door-to-door -door business into this multi-billion dollar uh, giant. Actually, not like that at all. These guys were not the inventors of anything. They spent 10 years working for the inventors of multi-level marketing, the two I referred to earlier, mm -hmm. uh, Mittinger and Castleberry, and 10 years they worked for them, and they became the two, Van Andel and DeVos, who were failures before that. They'd come out of the Air Force, and uh, they had a couple failed ventures, debacles, and, and they wound up as door-to-door -door salespeople for a vitamin company. And Neutralite. Uh, and Neutralite. Neutralite was the first MLM, bona fide MLM. The two guys, Mettinger and Castleberry, one the psychologist, one the cemetery plot salesman, devised this system that was completely different from real direct selling, but it had trappings of direct selling. Can I? How did how did the system that Neutralite created, or that the um, developers of Neutri Neutralite created, um, how did that differ from some of the earlier ones, such as? Southwestern Advantage in Avon? Like, how, how were they different yeah. than them? So I, I'm actually old enough to remember when people actually came to your door, not my door, my parents' door when I was a kid, and knocked on the door, strangers, asked to come into the house and do a sales pitch. Right. It's like right? media. Right. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. First yeah. of all, somebody was at home. Somebody would let them in the house. Yeah. And, and then, and then, and they would spend an hour or more, and they might sell ten or fifteen dollars. I think the average Fuller Brush—that was the classic Fuller one. Fuller Brush, that's right. Fuller Brush sales was around fifteen dollars in a home. Of course, those were earlier, you know, pre-inflation days. So, um, but that's what it was: hard work, door to door, and the Fuller Brush salesman made his money from making a retail sale to my mother or other people on the street. Neutralite uh, was a completely different model. It was after the war, millions of people, men mostly at that time, needing work. And, and we are in now a consumer economy. And they played upon several events that had occurred leading up to this. Well, one was the chain letter phenomenon that was a craze that swept the country in the, in the 30s. Previous to that had been the Charles Ponzi scandal, which had electrified the country and became this household word, Ponzi scheme. Ponzi created a, an investment fund exactly like Madoff did, promised uh, income, good return, high return. All he did is take money from later investors and give it to the earlier ones. Then in the early 40s, there became this spread of what they call pyramid clubs, and pyramid clubs were people getting together, and we see them even today. They're called gifting schemes. Mm -hmm. In that environment, Neutralite was created. And it was created in such a way to where the salesperson made really the main money came not from knocking on doors and selling vitamins, 
but from recruiting other people who could recruit other people so that you could leverage the recruiting. I get five people under me. They each get five. I now have 30 salespeople working for me. None of them are going to make money selling the product, but all could make money theoretically if they had others below them. Added to that was the requirement that for you to qualify for this bonanza of, of ever expanding network of people below you, you had to maintain a certain quota. You could maintain that by simply purchasing the goods yourself. Now, obviously Fuller Brush couldn't have done that because a salesperson couldn't keep buying Fuller Brush goods themselves and they didn't. Um, encyclopedia salespeople never required an encyclopedia salesman to buy the books. Would have and, been a pain in the ass. Yeah. So, but Neutralite included this quota. So um. the salesperson bought it, bought the product monthly, and then recruited others. So you create an internal market. So you can see how they are fundamentally different. The salesperson now becomes a recruiter. The salesperson becomes a customer. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you the third fundamental difference that totally broke it away from direct selling of way it used to be. If you're in real direct selling, when you make a sale, when you bring in somebody and they buy the product, whatever commission the company is going to pay on that transaction, you're going to get most of that money because you made the sale. Maybe your manager line. gets a little piece too. Yeah. Amway and Neutralite turned it reverse. I recruit you and let's say there's 40% in there. I'm going to get maybe five of it. 35% is going to go to the upline behind me. Mm -hmm. So the persons that actually make the most money per transaction are way far away from the actual transaction. So you can see the plan was carefully, elegantly designed to promote recruiting. Mm -hmm. But each transaction looked like a buy-sell transaction. And it was cast in the language of direct selling. But it was a radical departure from direct selling. And by the way, when Neutralite, even when Neutralite was created, direct selling was already falling apart, becoming extinct, because mm -hmm. again, husband and wife were both, or both spouses were working. People didn't really let, they didn't have time to have a yeah. sales pitch. The world was, was mass advertising, yeah. stores were everywhere. You didn't need somebody coming to your house to sell you gadgets or anything, really, you know, yeah. it was all available. Um, well, that's interesting. Damn you, Castleberry. <laughs> what the well, I don't think these guys, yeah, I don't think these guys realized, I don't think they could have realized what they were about to create. The company Neutralite, uh, which was actually a failing operation, had been around for dec several decades, uh, was owned by a guy named Carl Renborg. And it had failed and failed and failed. It never did anything. It never got out of Southern California, even. And then these two guys came in and took over uh, after a, they met at a Dale Carnegie course, oh, and okay. they uh, took over the sales and marketing and developed this plan. They called it the plan. Literally that, the plan. That's what they called it. I like their style. Yeah, so it sounds like something I would do. It had an air of mystery about yeah, the, like plan. That. Yeah. the plan. Yeah. That plan was what we call today multi-level marketing. Okay. And uh, it, again, was disguised to look like traditional direct selling, but it was radically uh, different. So Van Andel, and then I, I think, I believe the other part of that story is that Van Andel and DeVos then stole like 5,000 of the clients. That's right. They, they broke away uh, took, and they called their system the plan. They took everything, all the language, everything exactly the same. They got out of that product though, initially, and used laundry soap. Yeah, I mean, and I know throughout history, just vitamins are just a tough plan to be in. I mean, a tough gig, because I mean, you have all these different regulatory bodies and, you know, dish soap, lot safer, right? And, and Neutralite, uh, I mean, there were a lot of vitamins being sold at that time. Yeah, Neutralite was not a beginning, not did not in any way start up that business. Uh, but as soon as as soon as Mittinger and Castleberry took over, they began hyping these vitamins as miracle cures 
for almost any ailment you had. Yeah. And cancer, tuberculosis, depression, whatever it was. And they put it in writing in a little booklet. The FDA, Food and Drug Administration, at that time saw this and saw snake oil and dangerous because people who needed real treatment would be taking these vitamins. Right. So they prosecuted Neutralite, and the prosecution went on for a very long time, eventually actually went to the U.S. Supreme Court where Neutralite lost. But Neutralite hired an amazing lawyer who later became world famous. His name was Charles Rhine. He had been a roommate of Richard Nixon. And what Charles Rhine managed to do was get the FDA to sort of admit or, or allow certain things that you could say about vitamins. Okay, I can't say it cures tuberculosis, but I might say it helps boost your energy level that would improve your overall health, whatever that means, <laughs> right? So they managed to get these things extracted from yeah. the FDA along the way. Charles Ryan later became the lawyer for Rosemary Wood, who was the secretary of Richard Nixon. Oh, Richard Nixon, that's right, Watergate. So, so uh, that's why the Amway people said, let's get out of this because the FDA can come after us. You know, FDA isn't going after dish, dish soap. That's right. DeVos and Van Andel, they go, they create Amway. And then did they have some principles with the plan? Because I know the name itself, you know, the American way, right? Amway, I believe that's, isn't that the origin of it? American yeah, way. American way. That's right. So they were very patriotic, very, very religious, I believe. At least I've read. Um, and wh what are some of the moves that they began to make, which began to separate them from the rest of the MLM crowd? Because there were many at the time. Um, but as we as I as I previewed earlier, you know, they're not playing in the Lou LaRoe Center, right? They're playing in the Amway Center. So mm -hmm. how did how did they begin to separate themselves from the rest of these clowns? Yes. So um, <clears throat> we're talking about a, a program, a system that had been developed, you know, for uh, over 10, 12, almost 15 years. Amway copied it. But the two, these two individuals added on to some, something to it that Neutralite did not do. They turned it into a, quote, way of life. They, they connected it to patriotism and to morality, a kind of a moral code. And this would be Calvinism, the idea being that this is virtue and anybody who doesn't make money or anyone who fails is a kind of loser and a sinner. And so they put a moral, uh, let's say a, a moral power behind it. And they presented it as this, this um, American uh, enterprise that was incorporating the Protestant ethic of work, entrepreneurship, and personal freedom. And they then said, these are really the American values of our country. So you, the pursuit of Amway was equated with a kind of moral religious crusade and an expression of the American system of economics as well, based on entrepreneurship, personal freedom. That's how they wrapped it. It was wrapped. Now, what's underneath that? Well, you weren't supposed to look because if you looked, you were then considered possibly unpatriotic, possibly non-religious, a doubter, a cynic, close to a sinner. If you questioned its economics, well, maybe you're anti-business. Yeah, you don't believe in it. You don't believe. You're non-believer. You don't, you don't believe. Who, yeah. You could be a kind of socialist character or somebody that just <laughs> yeah. wants to live off the government. You don't want to work, right? So yeah. these became the moral overtones that they adopted and wrapped this business in. You know, they actually were ahead of their times because isn't that what all most of these MLMs do today, they wrap themselves in a lifestyle. If you look at if you look at them on Instagram, on YouTube, it's all about the lifestyle. Uh, if you look at um, who, who are the ones that do the white Mercedes? Is it Bond, Airbond, Arbon? 
Yeah. Um, they're all dressed in white and they're all around a pool and they're all shaking their hands and doing a dance around a Mercedes. It's a lifestyle. They all wrap themselves. So, you know, it may have been different toys, but it was the same thing. It looks like they were, they were ahead of their time on that in that lifestyle well, I, influencer. I, yeah. Culture. I would say uh, rather than ahead of their time, they were simply the inventors. They okay. created this formula and everybody else is copying it. Okay. It works so well as mm -hmm. we're discussing here. It work, It creates billions and billions of dollars and millions of followers who are duped by this because they are challenged not to look, just to believe. And then the imagery around it becomes so appealing, so positive that you, you say, well, I want that. Well, if you question it, then maybe you just don't want it, or you think something's wrong with that, which nobody would, would dare say. So Amway took a, a model, a business model that they copied, but they overlaid Van Andel DeVos, their uh, extremist Calvinist views, and then they launched this company, but already by 1975, the federal government brought a case against them with the intention of shutting it down as a pyramid scheme. Mm -hmm. And the government had just prosecuted two others that were really Amway copycats. One was called Holiday Magic and the other was called Coscott. God, they deserve to be prosecuted. And they were shut down as pyramid schemes. And then the FTC took on Amway with exactly the same case because the schemes appeared to operate identically. And Amway escaped. And why did it escape? Well, again, fortune Politics. seems to follow Amway often because during that case, what happened? Richard Nixon resigned and his vice president took over as president. His vice president was Gerald Ford, who was the congressman from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, my God. That's and they were among Jerry Ford's biggest donors. And they supporters. ended up. Uh, he became, you know, they funded his library. He became their speaker. You mentioned the Amway Hotel. Jerry Ford, Gerald Ford was the speaker there. Oh, my God. Um, and Gerald Ford entertained and met with Van Andel and DeVos. This was all reported in the New York Times while they were under prosecution for pyramid fraud by the FTC. They had a 45-minute meeting with him, which they came out of and said they discussed the case with the president of the United States. <laughs> so they had political inroads. Incredible. DeVos was the big driver of the political side of that. But on the other side was Van Andel. And Van Andel had wheedled his way into the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. DeVos was the finance chairman at the Re Republican National Committee. And you say, why? How could that be? Again, what we're saying is they adopted the great mythologies of our country. Capitalism, freedom, entrepreneurship, and claimed to be the paragon of those values. Then they wrapped themselves in Christian theology, which today, even now, although we have multitude of religions in America, is the dominant sure. religious message of our country. So you know, they managed to capture the two main themes. And these, by the way, became so usable for the Republican Party at that time. And Ronald Reagan became their spokesman. So DeVos became the champion of the Ronald Reagan, and he was responsible for the fundraising for the Ronald Reagan candidacy at that time as the finance chairman of the Republican Party. So between these two, DeVos over here cultivating the politics and Van Andel cultivating the business side of this. And so you could see that the Reagan, Reaganomics, which was championing individual initiative, opposing safety nets and government assistance programs for schools and so on. This sounded very good. The other thing about the Amway message, which was used so usable by the Republican Party at that time, was if you fail, if you're poor, 
it's your fault. It's only your fault. Don't blame capitalism. Don't blame big business. Don't blame your boss. Don't blame the union. Blame only you. So this was the message of Ronald Reagan. That anyway. was his message. That's right. That's right. So you could see here was a perfect mm -hmm. combination. Amway sells the message and Ronald Reagan's administration protects Amway from any further pyramid investigations. It was a political fix and yeah, it was and it was a powerful political fix yeah, awesome. at the top. So, you know, and we're we're talking with Robert Fitzpatrick, the author of Ponzinomics. Um, you know, it's kind of funny as I listen to the story, I don't know whether to call these guys geniuses or to call them lucky because so much, right? They just happen to get into neutral light and go, hey, this is kind of a good system, but this guy doesn't know how to use it. They happen to be in Grand Rapids where the next president came from, right? And they were on the ground floor of that one. And we all, everybody in politics how knows how important it is to be on the ground floor of someone. Um, and then just happen to have a Republican come in next who embodied their, you know, their principles. So I think it was a mixture, right? Which is it, yeah, it is with most absolutely. people, hard work, smart, That's and right. lucky, um, and, and and lucky timing, you know. But I guess it's sort of it's sort of looking back. You, you say, how did it emerge? Well, maybe it emerged only because of the timing and the environment there, you know. Um, but they there they were, like you say. Um, I, I think that's valid, lucky, and conniving. Yeah, lucky and conniving. That's right. Um, so, who who is Altacore? Because it looks like they have a parent company named Altacore. Is there a story mm -hmm. there? Uh, I think it's um, first of all. You know, you mentioned you start. We, we mentioned at the very beginning about uh, basketball. Uh, yeah, and mm -hmm. hockey yeah. and stadiums, um, and Hotel. that's hotels. Yeah, and and it, it goes on from there. Um, Altacore Amway, the name, uh, which as you mentioned, was coined as the American way. Now imagine that an endless recruiting chain, which guarantees that the vast majority have to be at the bottom where they must lose, and only a very few at the top can, by design, is called the American way. It's actually the opposite. American way is about a fair shot for everybody. You know, not a fixed system like that and not a money transfer. It's about real competition. That's right. But they coined it as as the American way, Amway. But it it did get prosecuted. It did get caught up in a tax fraud case. It was and the two founders were prosecuted by Canada. Um, and then later it got prosecuted again for price fixing. So there was a bit of a the name had mm -hmm. sullied a bit. At some point along the way, Amway in the 90s actually tried to change the whole name of Amway to Quickstar. 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 That's Quickstar. So yeah. Altacore, I think, is really nothing but a, a cover name. It's to uh, disconnect uh, the sl somewhat sullied Amway scheme from this larger corporate enterprise that includes mm -hmm hotels, insurance companies, sports teams, stadiums, who knows what else it is. The other thing they did is they uh, became very involved in philanthropy and causes. Sure. And these were mostly religious or extremely conservative causes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but Altacor is really just a corporate name, but very much like the, the tobacco industry. Sure. So, so, when you look at Amway and you listen to some of the um, independent business owners, as they call them, um, which is, you know, they're anything but independent as you read more about it. Talk about and, an Orwellian concept, or yeah, independent business. It is owner. pretty wild, isn't it? The American way, uh, be at the bottom of the crushing pyramid. Uh, independent yeah. business owner, do not be independent and do not own your business. Um but there seems to be another entity which has striked my curiosity, which is called Worldwide Dream Builders. And are they part of Amway? That's right. Yes. Or are they like a little bird on the hippopotamus, which makes money off of Amway? I can't figure that out. Well, yeah, a little, a little both. Yes. Yeah, I think you're correct both ways. It is absolutely part of Amway, not as a corporate legal entity. It's not a subsidiary of Amway, but it is integrally connected. It is uh, connected in such a way that it, 
it is existentially connected. It couldn't operate except by Amway. It is composed of the uh, recruiting, a group of recruiters who bring in people to become Amway dis so-called distributors or independent business owners. But they develop this into a proprietary system. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about layers of deception here that are almost unfathomable. First of all, the plan, which is the Amway plan, which was the Neutralite plan, which is based on the endless chain, which is based on transferring the commission, so-called commission, up to the top rather than staying at the bottom where people make the transactions. It, it involves uh, unlimited expansion of salespeople in every area. Imagine that. It, they want you to become a salesperson in your town and then tell you, but we're going to add as many possible competitors as we can. In your so, aisle. Yeah. yeah. So first, the plan, which is contradictory, disguised as direct selling. But now you get into it and you're told you have to believe. So you have to believe. But you start failing straight away because virtually everybody fails. So you're going to fail. Well, then they tell you, David, you know, there's a reason you're not succeeding at this because there's, there's secrets to this. There's, there's, there's skills, there's knowledge. It's known. The people at the top know this. You have to plug in to their system for working the plan. Worldwide dream builders and others mm -hmm. have what they call proprietary systems, and they teach you how to succeed in the plan. Now, that's going to cost you. Right. As we mentioned, to be in the plan, you've got to buy product, you've got to pay an entry fee, then you've got to keep up your monthly quota. That's right. Okay. But then you get in and you're doing all that, you're still failing. Then they come up with the second hit. Now, bear in mind, all flim flams are like this. And that's why MLM is called a long con. They're going to get you maybe for years if they can. Most people don't last a year, but some people last 10, 15 years. They drain them of everything. And one of the ways they drain them is by getting them to participate in these dream builder programs. It's called dream builder programs. Mm -hmm. You learn, you have to attend events, very expensive events in Orlando or wherever. Probably at the Orlando Center or at the Amway yes, Center. Very likely. Yeah. And then you've got to uh, subscribe to maybe uh, 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 audio books that right. you'll be listening mm -hmm. to over and over again. And there are other training and motivation programs that you go to. So I would classify these as just a, a, an element. They are, they are not integral to MLM per se. It's a, an add-on, but, an, but, an, but a very important add-on because, as I mentioned, Ponzi-nomics or MLM, two parts of it, the, the getting people, persuading people that an endless chain is viable when for always it has been regarded as a per se inherently deceptive and destructive scheme. You have to come to believe that it could work for you. And second, it can work only to the degree that you believe in it. So Worldwide Dream Builders is part of that second side of it, of teaching you how to change yourself in order to succeed in, in this in program. Plan. And it also allows, I believe, as I learned more about this, it seems to me, um, it allows Amway to keep clean hands, right? It's like, well, no, that's Worldwide Dream Builders. We're, exactly. we're, we've, we provide the products, right? We provide the plan, you know, uh, your, your, your issue is with worldwide dream builders if you can't get this done. So it does Absolutely. give a degree of separation. That's right. And plausible deniability. Yeah, it's all there. That, yeah. Did you tell these people that they could become millionaire? No, we'd never look for our literature. You'll never see those words. That's right. Well, I heard it at a meeting at, at the Orlando, you know, center. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't Amway, you know, that was this worldwide. other organization. Yeah. And these are these are vast organizations, by yes. the way. I mean, That's right. I have people write me from Malaysia, from all kinds of other countries, faraway places saying, what is Worldwide Dream Builders? Mm -hmm. Who is Bill Britt? Who is Dexter Yeager? Dexter Yeager's dead now. I think Bill Britt, I don't know if he's alive still or not. But these were among these this pantheon of top gun recruiters 
who ran these machines, these recruiting machines for profit. The profit wasn't just their override from Amway sales, Amway purchases, was also to sell their proprietary goods. That's right. So, so that's the other thing as we've moved forward in this into the twentieth, into the twenty first century, is that I have noticed in listen, in watching and listening and reading, more and more of Amway's income and more and more of Worldwide Dream Builders you know, real revenue is coming from all of these proprietary materials. So in order to start, you'll, you'll hear people and you've probably talked to them, actually. Um, you'll hear people say, well, I had, you know, they, they, you have to go to the conventions. You have to go to these meetings. And I find it odd that their meetings are almost always on Friday nights. And they're almost always at Friday nights, like at seven or eight. And I don't know why that is. And I was trying to think it through. And I'm like, well, maybe they believe if you're going to go Friday at seven or eight, that you feel that invested because, hey, I spent the freaking Friday night. I, I have to follow through. Or if you do that, then you are showing some sort of commitment. You're willing to go there on a Friday night. I don't know. Do you know why they do that? But it seems like an inordinate amount of their meetings are held on Friday nights. Yeah. Well, a Friday night is in keeping with a, a principle of of domination, of, of cult persuasion. Oh, okay, yeah, this makes and sense. That, and that is to dominate your time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, a cult persuasion isn't, you know, most jobs, if you went into a, a, a job, a real job, corporate job, and they started asking you, well, what do you want out of life? You know, how is your marriage? Uh, are you getting everything for your children? You, you would tell them that that's none of your business. You know, that's my private life. I'm here on... But Amway and other MLMs begin with this idea that we're going to transform your life. So they demand and ask for a total commitment. And those events become the test of that. And they will go in some cases to one and two and three in the morning. That's right. That's what they so say. Uh -huh. This is an, uh, an element of all cults. They always want to dominate your time. And separate you from people that might provide an outside influence and make you question them, right? That's right. Anybody yeah. that would question what you're doing mm -hmm. is not supporting you and you shouldn't be associating with that person. And well, you say, but my husband or my my wife or my spouse, whatever. Well, maybe, maybe that's the person holding you back from the person you are destined to be. And um, if, if you're clerk, if you're a pastor at your church or whatever, maybe you shouldn't be going to that church and so on. Mm -hmm. And so I have met people who have lost everything. They they've given up their their families, their friends. All they have is the Amway network anymore or the whatever MLM it be because they all operate the same. We're saying Amway could fill in any of them. Mm -hmm. Amway created the model. They've all emulated it. Mm -hmm. It's a magic act that works over and over and over again. And dominating your time is a key part of it. Yeah, that's the Friday night. Now, now that you put it out there, it makes complete sense um, why you would do that on a Friday night. Otherwise, I would be with my uh, loved ones and they would be telling me, dude, what are you doing? Like, what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Um, yes, exactly. So the other thing, the, the other uh, thing that I find very mysterious about the whole Amway recruitment process, because I think I think they're very different with their recruitment process. I think they are much more disciplined in doctrinaire than the other more lifestyle like um, Airbon or, you know, the other ones that are out there. I mean, you, you pick one um, who, who tend to be love bombers. Oh, hey, girlfriend, love you. Oh, my God, I got a great opportunity. You know, they're very love bomby. Um, but it seems Amway is very different. Um, and I've noticed when listening to people who had been a part of the cult for a bit, they many times they're very similar and they say, oh, I was... Uh, I was in the gift card section at Walgreens and a nice couple walked up to me. There's often couples, a man and a woman, and they would strike up a conversation and, and they would usually have two meetings somewhere and they would talk about their mentors. Oh, we've got these amazing mentors who really lead us into this next phase of wealth. And oh my God, our mentors are so amazing. You should really meet our mentors. But they never mention the product. They never meant, well, they can't mention the product because the product is you, um, but they never mention the company, right? They never say Amway and they never say what this is about. 
Um, and then finally they go, hey, we really like – we think you passed the test. We think you're special. We think you have what it takes. We'd like you to invite you to a meeting with our mentors this Friday. And it seems that they're, again, very disciplined and that there is a, a very doctrinaire method in which they approach their marks. Can you tell me anything about that? Uh, yes, again, we're, we're going back to this term cult. You know, cults have uh, are authoritarian and dogmatic. As they have a script, they have a story, they have a narrative, they pull you into that script. It's an, a reinterpretation of the world. And once you enter that now, um, you have sort of abandoned and left behind objective reality. And your sole source of information and authority is the upline and the leader. One of the things that the upline leaders do once you're in and under that kind of influence is control your language and give you a script. And this is a common characteristic. I've had so many families contact me and say, what's happened to my son, our son? He's talking this gibberish all the time. He uses words we never heard him use before over and over again. He can't listen to anything we're saying. It's a very scripted, very controlled method of speaking, all aimed at convincing yourself, driving out doubts, what they call thought-stopping aphorisms, like only quitters lose and only losers quit. So if you think about that one, you're trapped. You're trapped in there because you can't think your way out of it. You know, <clears throat> just even thinking about it sounds like a loser. <laughs> and so they dominate your thoughts. They dominate with, with dominant language and they give you scripts. And the scripts are all aimed at essentially recruiting. And so that's why you see people over and over again. And Amway really perfected that. Yeah. And as you said, some of the others have somewhat different scripts, but fundamentally, they, the hey hun and the one that's all about let's go have fun together yes. sounds different than the Amway, but underneath it is essentially the same. It is a dogmatic, controlled, scripted narrative some will tell you, you know, there's no work, it's all fun, it's sexy, it's great. You might not hear that at Amway. But um, the other thing about to know about MLMs too, it is affinity uh, scam. You know, it's affinity fraud. That's really what they do. So each MLM, Amway began in small towns, often in rural areas, and mostly with fundamentalist Christians. And a lot of people associated Amway with that. Newer MLMs are, many of them are associated with Mormonism, come out of Utah now. Some are just associated, they're aiming almost exclusively at young women. So they, they go out, some are, are aiming at students with debt. Some are aiming at military spouses and so on. And a lot of them are aiming strictly at immigrants too now. So oh, that makes they tailor, sense. they will tailor that language mm -hmm. to the particular group. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they do um, that I picked up, well, why the couples, Robert? Why do they often come up to them in couples? And it sounds kind of creepy, honestly, um, <laughs> the way it happens, because mm -hmm. a lot of these are young women. And they talk about an attractive young couple that approaches that approached them, you know, in a coffee shop, Starbucks. They actually have a list for Amway members for the independent business owners, as they refer to them, the IBOs. They have a list of here are the best places to approach your, you know, your marks. Um, Why the couples? Well, th huh? th this is kind of dark and it's a bit okay. sinister in a way, okay. but it is also founded on a very simple sales uh, truism. <clears throat> if you're selling in a home, for example, back in the days when you sold in homes, you could never sell just to one of the spouses. If you were in there selling encyclopedias and the wife, if it's a female, let's say, yeah. said, we love them, we want to get them, but the husband isn't in the room, you haven't got a sale. Yeah. And vice versa. So, um, 
it's a principle of that. Now, Amway's job and MLM's job is to gain total control over your whole life. They can't do that with just one spouse. So they will always try starting off right off the bat, bring your spouse in and they got to win that spouse over yeah, too. That's right. That is another principle. So they, they try that. Now, of course, you have millions and millions today, more so back when, than when Amway started, of young single people, single person households. Mm-hmm. And they could be divorced, they could be not never married and so on. So some of the newer MLMs don't really focus on couples. They don't need to. But Amway did from its inception, and it built its business around that. And so you had that, as you said, a kind of spooky, eerie, kind of creepy yeah. coupledom, where mm-hmm. these two couples looking almost identical, one couple after the other, posing for these photos and uh you know and in the film maybe you saw this on the film lula rich the two couple the couple that ran that scheme sat there as almost a perfect model mlm couple you know deferring to each other and and interrupting each other at just the right moments and um yeah when i when i when i saw the couple behind lula roe i knew that shit was going south (laughs) <laughs> you just knew there was no way they could hold that Jenga tower together for very long, man. Well, they did hold it together for quite a while. And um, that if you if you would go around and, you know, there's the, the FTC recently sent out a warning letter to multi-level marketing companies about deceptive income claims. I think they listed over 700 MLMs operating in the U.S. Oh, wow. on their list. Amazing. There are probably more. So this is a pervasive, ubiquitous force that is operating quietly, invisibly, so to speak, on Main Street. Politicians are not paying attention to it, which is amazing to me because it is shaping people's values. It's telling them about what to think of the government, tells them who to vote for. I think it's shameful, Robert, actually, again, as a lobbyist, I remember someone had a bill a couple of years ago. There's an entity called the Direct Selling Association, which sounds nice, Um, and it sounds fair, and it sounds kind of Chamber of Commerce-y, right? Direct Selling Association, but it's not Direct Selling Association. If you look at the members of it, there might be, I don't know, there could be a Kirby or a Fuller Brush, I don't know, Um, but most of them are Herbalife, Beachbody, Amway. It's nothing but freaking pyramid schemes. And so someone had a bill to try and, you know, say, hey, people should be educated about how, you know, the, how the money flows. And they brought all of these bots to the Capitol, um, Herbalife and Beachbody and Amway. And you, you, you mentioned it, you know, it, it, it looked like a catalog because they all had kind of this very, very similar look. They all had their little golf shirts with a little emblem on the on the chest. And they were just rabid, the direct selling association. So, you know, I think that they have pretty much at least the people at the top. I got to admit, though, I saw what they were paying their lobbyists and they're pretty damn cheap. So I think there's, you know, I think anyway, I think they're takeable. Um, but uh, but I was amazed by the rabidness by which they um, went after a very, very small bill, which tried to just say, hey, maybe people should be educated about these multi-level marketing schemes. So, you know, as a close, what I'd, what I'd like to talk about is um, as we leave, you know, we're now, we now have a different commerce system. Well, let me rephrase that. You know, we're now dominated by e-commerce. And um, it seems like Amway has adjusted to that somewhat. A lot of their folks now have stores, right, on the Amway websites, and they direct people to their stores, to their little, you know, sites. Uh, is Amway kind of ahead of the ahead of the game in, in, in adapting to the new e-commerce world that we're, we're entering or that we live in now? Um, no, I don't I don't think so, David. Um, multi-level marketing is is very adaptable. I mean, it, it is a, it is a scheme based on belief, capturing people, selling mythologies that are very strong in our country already, entrepreneurship, freedom capitalism itself, business ownership, and so on. So it, it has a, a great story that it uses to cover over its basic operation. 
and it has it has always adapted uh, over time. All the MLMs use e-commerce, but this essentially the program has unchanged. So before before there was even an internet, before you had an email and you could set up your own little website, you had to use your social network, going you know to your friends, lean on your family, old classmates. <laughs> Things which you would call them on the telephone actually right, to do right. that. So you had these terrible, famous, you know, uh, events where people, the, these episodes where you would get this odd phone call from somebody you hadn't talked to in 10 years. You went to high school with them and they want to have get together and have coffee, catch up, and then you find out they're pitching you for Amway when you get there. Thank God that can be handled in an email now. Now, now it's done with emails. Um, so uh, all they're really doing, first of all, again, nothing's fundamentally changed. Nobody in Amway or Herbalife or any of these actually sells products person to person at a retail basis with a retail margin and makes money. You can't do it. Again, how could you do it? There's a million other people with the same product. Well, look, the same price. Well, Robert, look, here's 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 the here's the magic sauce. We've been talking for an hour about Amway and we have yet to mention a single product. All we've <laughs> talked about is them and, and their cult like, you know, manners. Yes. Uh, we haven't talked about a damn product. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to interfere. That, that, and that's that's absolutely the case. So <laughs> it isn't it's never about the product. Yeah. So because it's not about the product, it's obviously not really about selling the product. Mm -hmm. So these stores, these websites are just no more than the, about as valid as a, as a tool as calling yourself an independent business owner when you're really a virtual slave to this one company. You're not independent, you're really not in business, and you don't own a damn thing. So... But so this is again Orwellian is to come up with a, a term so outrageously deceptive that people can't really believe someone would actually do that. Who, nobody would say that if it weren't true, would they? It's, so the, the websites are really just a mechanism. Okay. You know, you have your own <clears throat> website now. Uh, you can solicit people. Yeah. They're going to come to your website when there's millions of them millions, selling the same right. thing. It keeps you. It keeps you on in the program. It keeps you in the plan for a couple more months. Because you feel something tangible, right? The, the other thing, again, as we as we close this out, I think it's kind of brilliant. Am, uh, Amway promises to refund your money, you know, that you paid to get started if you quit before ninety days. However, as we know, Worldwide Dream Builders is there to keep coaching your ass to make sure that you don't quit before ninety days. That's so, because right, only losers quit. Right. Remember? That's Only right. You can't loser. quit. Only a loser would quit. You didn't believe. Yeah. You didn't try hard enough. You didn't buy this. You didn't get that app. You didn't get this right. tape. You didn't go to enough conventions. So yeah. So I mean, it sounds nice, but again, it's 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 a scam. It's just a well, scam. It, you know the, the 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 fundamental question that I always run into was, uh, I get questions: Is it a pyramid scheme? Is it this? Is it sales? Can you make money? But what was always missing was what is it? What is MLM? What actually is it? We know it's wrapped to look like direct selling. They call it direct selling. We know it has political protection. We know a lot of these products are snake oil, quackery. Some of them are dangerous and so on. Some of them are ridiculous, like some of the LaRoe products and so on. But what is MLM itself? And a lot of people walked around, even journalists would talk to me as if they knew what it was, but on questioning, they didn't. So the book Ponzi-nomics is to essentially fill in that gap and say, here's what it actually is. To know what it is, first you got to know where it came from. How was it hatched? Mm -hmm. You know, it was hatched out of an egg. Where and when and who did it? And then how did it incubate and cultivate itself into this monster that it is today, this many-headed monster starting with one company and now there's 100, 800 or more perhaps. And what it, what it is, it comes down to pyramid scheme first, you know, the endless chain. And second, this delusional belief system.
that somehow you can do it. But Robert, your book is the book on this issue, Ponzi-nomics by Robert Fitzpatrick. It'll be an audio book in, in the late November. Um, it's an amazing book because it really does lay out exactly how all of this was created. And once you realize how it was created, then you can figure out as it moves through the different, you know, different shades and the different tones and the different colors. You got it. You get it. They can disguise it however they want to disguise it, but you yeah. know what it is. So um, I can never get enough of talking to you, Robert. I want to thank you very, very much for being here. And if we did nothing more than allow some people who might have fallen prey to this Amway, to, to the Amway scam and to understanding how these guys wield political power and how we can maybe, you know, send messages to people to stop that. But if we did nothing more than educate people that that when they're in a, when they're in, looking at gift cards and a creepy couple comes up to them and say, hey, you look like you could be <laughs> good like at this. a sharp individual. Yeah, right. Run. Thank you, Robert. Run. Yes. Thank Thanks you very much. David, too. Thanks very much for Bye -bye. having me on. Hey, if you like what you hear, like and subscribe. It really means a lot. And we would love to have you coming back every week. Thank you.